all in our hands. Has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. What a joy, what a privilege to be with you all once again. And, and you know, when we do the, the Insider's Edge podcast, it's not just about interviewing wrestlers. I've had referees, I've had ring announcers, I've had journalists, I have had co-authors, I've had producers, I've had a whole bunch of different kinds of people within the industry and even just on the outskirts of the industry like someone like myself and I have one of those guys here with me tonight ladies and gentlemen he is the host of shooting the shit uncensored co-host of wrestling with tragedy one of the big kahunas from the MWA podcast network the one and only bald the beard the beautiful the host with the most on the east coast Piers Austin how are you bro Man, what an introduction, bro. Damn, you 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 really got my shit down, bro. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, dude. You if you added in the dad bod god, man, you you I know that you're really up to date. <laughs> but uh man, you know, bro, thank you for having me on it. It's an absolute uh it's an absolute pleasure to sit back and uh have a conversation with you, man. We we've uh recently been in, in contact and uh Man, yeah, I, I love the what you've been doing with your show, man. Um, definitely appreciate you out there grinding, bro, just like uh, the rest of us out there, man. And, you know, you, you're doing some amazing work, dude. Thanks, bro. You too, man. We're, we're, the, we're the two best in the country, in the, in the hemisphere, in the hemisphere, okay? That's a uh, big call, man. <laughs> no, offense, no offense to Chile, Willie, over in the Philippines there, but uh, <laughs> you and I, as far as I'm concerned, we're, we're, we're doing some good work, bro, and I appreciate your compliments. Uh, and that's why I'm so excited to have you on the show because we've had some conversations. We've had fun having those conversations. So I thought if we record it, other people can have fun watching us have a chin wag here about wrestling Hell and yeah. what it is that we do, my friend. And uh, every time I interview someone, bro, I always have to start at the beginning. I love this kind of story. How did you become a wrestling fan when you were younger? What was it that what, what was it that bit you, the bug that bit you, that you just, you couldn't get away from it? Well, man, like, dude, I, I was born in 82. So I'm a, I'm an 80s baby, right? So for me, like the Hulkamania thing, that was a big thing for me. Like, you know, when Hogan winning the title, the big leg drop, WrestleMania won, you know, like being like that we were in a different area to that and getting access that wasn't easy for us as kids back then. But like my cousins would have videos. So it might've been like a year or two after I was like four or five or, you know, I don't know, but seeing, <clears throat> sorry, um, like the WrestleMania, seeing Hulk Hogan, that sort of drew me into it. And then I started seeing like Roddy Piper, man, like just crack the skull of like Superfly Snooker. And you know what I mean? And like <laughs> seeing Shawn Michaels super kick um, Marty Jannetty through the, you know what I mean? Like I, I had a thing for the heels, bro. I love seeing like the bad motherfuckers uh, just do their thing. And, you know, like I've never been a cookie cutter type of guy. So even as a kid, man, I was a bit of a bad kid. So bad guy, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I definitely attracted more towards that. And that really sort of um, sunk, pulled me into it, I believe. Right. So, um, 
this is an, an interesting perspective because uh, like I didn't become a fan until like like 1998 when my friends kind of turned me on to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you get to start from all the way back then, you know, as a fan, noticing, and you're getting older as well, noticing the changes within wrestling, you know, how did that uh, affect your fandom? Do you know, did you end up finding out about companies like ECW in the nineties, or did you find out about WCW and watch that as well? As you know, you move into that kind of like, from the WrestleMania era, the Hulkamania era into that like that new generation and there's, you know, T.L. Hopper and all these kinds yeah. of characters. How did your, your fandom kind of uh, change through the years from all that? Well, I think as well, like there was, there was probably a couple of years where like wrestling wasn't as easy access as what we would expect it or hope it would have been. So like there's probably like a couple of years where you're a little bit gray, but like when I like, I think probably like 90 six 97 that leading into the attitude era i really got into it again like heavily like probably more so than what i when i was a young kid like when i was a young kid like i was a five-year-old walk around wearing my yellow fucking undies gone i'm hulk hogan <laughs> um but like as getting to being a, like going into the young adult and seeing more of that risque shit and going into puberty that was more of like a thing it was like you know, prepubescence and stuff like that going through in, and seeing some of the wild shit that we saw there. Like, but to me, wrestling changed over the time. Like when I saw Hulk Hogan turn heel, I was like, fuck yeah, that's badass. Like that's about time. You know what I mean? So those sort of things were just sort of like amalgamating for me, like seeing these things come together and me always being able to see what wrestling is. Like I always had a lot of questions about like how this, how wrestling works mechanically. Um, you know, I've always loved it, always respect it, but I always went, how does it work? Like what, you know what I mean? Like the, one guy throws another guy into the ropes, but the guy just, why wouldn't he just stop? One guy's on top of the <laughs> other guy throwing 10 punches into the head, but there's no bruise. There's no blood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why? Like that was to me, like my mind always thought like that where like other kids wouldn't, but it didn't make me dislike it. It didn't make me like think anything of it. Like I was able to still disconnect and enjoy the moment of what I was seeing in front of me and being like, all right, cool. Like I, I, you know, I can still get into it and be a little fucking muck and, and stuff like that. But like, there was always that thing in my mind going, I wonder how this is all being put together. Like what is the me mechanics behind it? If that makes sense. Yeah, man, there's such a charm to uh, to that kind of fandom back then when, you know, you didn't quite really, I mean, you knew, but you didn't quite know how things worked. And in my little warped mind, for whatever reason, I was like, okay, like, I know this is all predetermined. This 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 is kind of like, you know, this is, you know, it's all, it's all staged kind of thing. But when the big boss man and Scott Steiner wrestled, for whatever reason, I was like, they're, they're the only two that are allowed to do it for real, though. Like, I don't know why. That's just what I've... My it's, it's, it's funny you say that because, like, I remember, and I've said this before on, on other podcasts I've been on, that, like, I remember being a kid and then, like, Hulk Hogan leaving WWF, right? And then it was like, oh, yeah, it used to be real, right? But then it became, like, staged. And then or you know choreographed or whatever you want to like however you want to call it. That's why Hulk Hogan stopped, bro. Like <laughs> that that was our like kid men, like what eight, nine, ten year old mentality where it was like, yeah, 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 because it was like it stopped being legit, bro. Like that's why Hogan stopped. And like you look at Hogan and his career, and, like he, he was not a legitimate fucking bad. Like 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Like he would have been like the very far down on that totem pole, but that was the kid mentality when you when you don't know any better. Absolutely, man. And uh, you know, again, the charm of being a wrestling fan in Australia, especially during this time, you know, for me, you know, there were no websites. There was nothing I could go on when I first got into it. Um, and you know, it took me a while. A friend eventually introduced me to LordsOfPain.net, and then I'd also go on TheMayhem.com, which became yeah. NoDQ.com, yeah. uh, WrestleZone, Wrestling Inc., uh, all of those websites. But before all of that, the charm of tape trading. Did you buy tapes on the internet? Have them sent yeah. to you, and you finally get to see the shit. <laughs> well, dude, like ECW, like our like our video store, like just to sort of take it back a bit, and I apologize for this, but um, so our video store had like a few ECW tapes, and I'm talking like ECW from like there was like nine, like a couple of like '93, like Eastern Championship Wrestling tapes, which I grabbed them, right? I grabbed them. Uh, that was like there was a match on there with uh, Sandman and Cactus Jack in a no rope barbed wire match. There was the mat. That was the the uh, like they had heaps of from that era, right? So they had like maybe four or five, bro. Every week I would rent these tapes, the same tapes, because I just like, I couldn't get enough of it. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was WWE still because I'm like. 12 13, 11 you know what i mean like going oh yeah that's that mankind guy oh you know what i mean and then i was like oh okay you know what I mean? and then i was like oh east but hang on why is it called ecw but but i started getting that and then like we got like a few other ones like the later ones which was around the 2000 mark but that was like one or two dvds but it's funny when you said tape trading because before like online shit right we got magazines and we got wrestling magazines and I really found like, I was like, I came across XPW, CZW, Ring of Honor. Um, yeah. And I think CZW was first. CZW and XPW were two first because I started seeing them in 99. I think Ring of Honor came in around 2002 or something like that. But I saw that. I'm like, holy shit. What the fuck is this? That's ultra violent shit. These guys are fucking like, because you know what I mean? Like, Mick Foley was so big around that time, right? So everyone loved hardcore wrestling because that was like 99, 2000 was the hardcore generation of professional wrestling. Like the, the, the real big boom of it, so to speak, I believe for, for, I don't know, my generation. And I'd start saying, I go, who the fuck is the Messiah? Who the fuck is John Zandig? Who is Supreme? Who is Nick Gage? Who is this wife beater? Who is Lobo? Who is Nate Hatred? Um, you know, June Kasai, all these guys, I'm like, these guys are nuts. I'm like, how can I see this? And I was like, reading all this information, I was like, oh, you can buy tapes, right? And the internet was there, but you couldn't really buy online. So I was like following up, like reading all the news about CZW and XPW, but I was calling the offices up and I was buying tapes at 17 years old. And I'm like ringing like Sewell, New Jersey at like fucking whatever time of the day <laughs> and i'm like yeah can i get um cage of death one and like and it was that this is probably like 2000 2001 i'm like yeah can i get cage of death one two and three well uh, yeah whatever and I'm like yeah anything else i'm like um is this john zandig no brother and i'm like it's so funny. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> i've been a fucking mark but like and i did the same thing with xpw until my parents got the phone bill and were like what the fuck are you calling in california <laughs> this time i'm like 
I'm just gonna get my death match, bro. But yeah, like <laughs> that's why I've got a CZW title in the background then. So but um yeah, that 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 was my start, man. And I bought a lot of tapes and 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 stuff like that through those sort of means. Like I had pretty much like 30 to 40 VHS tapes, and then when Ring of Honor came in, it was just Chikara came in, PWG, and all these like I've always been a huge indie like appreciation of the indies. Um so yeah, like that that was where mainly my tape trading came in. But yeah, never anything like WCW, WWE, ECW. No, it was more indie shit. No, fair enough. I just I like talking about that stuff because it, it takes me back to a simpler time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, dude, I yeah, I could talk about so long about that shit. So I'm glad you cut like I'm sorry if I rambled on. <laughs> That's fine, bro. Uh, the late 90s, I remember this so much because obviously Survivor Series 1998 was the first proper show I actually saw. It was on Channel 10 over here on a Saturday oh, yeah, night. Uh, my dad was out for the night. I was at his place and then it was on TV. I'd been at some sleepovers with, like, you know, friends, you know, or birthday parties. They'd always have like a, a tape of a Nitro playing or like a pay-per-view that they hired from Video Easy. Um, but I became a fan because of this show. And I remember wrestling being really, like, I remember the, the time it was, like, cool and everyone was wearing shirts all around the place. Yeah. I go into a local fast food outlet and there'll be two guys in front of me wearing Austin 316 or NWO shirts or DX shirts talking about what happened on Raw and Nitro the night before. I wouldn't even butt in. I just listened to what they thought because, uh, you know, I was still a kid and they're like teenagers. Yeah. Um, but like anywhere you went, you would find someone wearing a wrestling shirt. It was cool. And the guys, you know, in the WCWA network with me, they're a bit younger. So they came into it when wrestling wasn't as cool anymore. You know, when you got... Yeah, you, you, John Cena is like the WWE champion or whatever. Yeah. And it's starting to get towards that PG era. I guess ruthless aggression for them. But uh, for them, they got picked on in high school for being wrestling fans. Whereas like in primary school for me, like wrestling was cool as fuck. So Yeah, dude. That, that, that's the same thing, man. Like I remember like Survivor Series 98, that was on Channel 10. But like at that stage, we had like, we had Foxtel because like I like my dad had got Foxtel and that's how we sort of reconnected with wrestling. And I remember like I had no idea what pay-per-view even like PPV actually meant, right? Yeah. So I'm like, oh, the Royal Rumble is on. Okay, yeah. Purchase. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, yeah, like I'm not gonna ask my dad. He's just gonna say no. <laughs> and then after a while, like my dad, like, you know, pretty smart on like. Why the fuck is there two pay-per-views a month? Because it was WCW and, and <laughs> WWE back then. But like, man, like that was a time where it was like wrestling was so fucking hot and it was so white hot. And you had like that attitude, that attitude era of professional wrestlers like The Rock and, um, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Mick Foley, you know, The Undertaker, the NW. You know what I mean? Like you had these cool motherfucking factions that made wrestling cool and it was almost like it transcended uh you know into pop culture as well to a lot of things where we saw like mike tyson getting involved we saw jay leno getting involved we saw like you know um dennis rodman post and uh, um, what was it malone getting involved what's his name Carl um, malone Carl malone getting involved 
you started seeing other people drawing into the the wrestling business. And I think that that drew a lot of eyes to it. But like, I think the Austin versus like Tyson standoff, bro, in like 98, where Tyson's like, you know, Austin's like, fuck you to Mike Tyson. And like that moment, bro, like I remember being like a fucking 16 year old Mark just going, like, you know, like losing my fucking shit. And it's the same thing with like Austin and the like the bang with the gun and like making McMahon piss himself. Like I legit thought he was gonna smoke his ass on national TV, bro. Like <laughs> I'm like a 16 year old. I'm going fuck this Vince McMahon motherfucker. He looked at him like, smoke his. And I'm like, when they did it, I was like, oh fuck, man. Like, but even then, we're like, oh, this can't like really like is this real? Like, you know, like we'll still question it. Like what? But. Man, that was a time where it was like, I think socially people were just like, like I said, it was the era of shock TV and shock radio. And, and you know, they had to do a lot of things to really shake things up, which is like, you look at 2021 and it's like, they couldn't even get it. Like they couldn't do half the stuff that they did back then. Mm, absolutely, man. And uh, like, just for anyone out there who really doesn't, understand how big it was you could go into kmart you could go into some of the other stores they would have a whole row of figurines and rings and all of the stuff now you go into a kmart you might get one little slither of a row that might have a couple of figurines but back then that's when i can tell when wrestling is hot is because if it's in an isolated city like perth western australia and it's that big that in an isolated place like us to have all of that stuff and for people to say today we're going into another boom period i'm sorry but like it's if it hasn't reached this far to to necessitate having long aisles of figurines and things like that then i still don't think that it's going to be anywhere near what it was in 98 99 do you, do you agree with that bro i, th I to a certain extent i think it, it is big but like i think it, it man like like you said like the merchandise doesn't really lie and you you go into certain places and I, i'm sure there's certain places that have more more stock than the others but like i i still think that as far as action figures i think the wrestling audience in this country is probably more leaning towards adults that aren't really into the action figures to be honest um mm. you know that that's kind of the way that i see it like i try and get my kids to sit down and watch wrestling like i've got you know a five-year-old a three-year-old and a four-month-old and i'm trying to get my five-year-old like my elder son to want to watch it so he'll come to a show with me or like a show that i'm on or working or, or something like that that he can sort of come and go, oh cool but like he sits down for a minute and is like he's out like <laughs> it just doesn't yeah i've tried getting him to sit down and watch hogan beating the sheik and all sorts <laughs> of shit and, and he just doesn't have an interest so maybe it's just like this generations of kids just aren't wrestling fans which is sad but you know or there's not a lot of kids that are fans of it but i think it's more leading towards adults for a lot, lot of it now right um so uh, as your time wears on as a fan getting to like let's say your early 20s now or mid 20s uh do you start trying uh you know going to like local shows i'm not sure if there's much going on during that time period over east uh, my my knowledge of australian wrestling isn't as no, uh, good. good as it, as it should be but uh you know 
did you start going to any sort of local shows and was there a point where you eventually got involved yeah man there was um like i was probably like um 18 or 19 and i worked um in this retail shop and the lady that i worked with her husband like we were talking and i said like yeah i love wrestling you know i want to be a wrestler one day like i want to do this shit and she's like oh my husband's a wrestler and i'm like yeah i thought she meant like greco roman i'm like oh and I, you mean like the olympic wrestling and she goes no, no no like professional like wwf i'm like oh cool she's like yeah 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 i'll get you to meet my husband like and you know blah, blah blah like i'll talk to him she comes back the next day and she goes hey meet my husband here on saturday he'll come pick you up and take you to training oh um, wow all right cool never met this dude before right and like never met like face to face anything like that so i go there there's this dude who's like six foot like three you know 120 130 kilos of just pure muscle right Right. So I'm looking at this guy going, God damn. I'm like, hey man. And he's like, hey, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. Introduce each other. And we hop in this, this car, we drive down and we go to the IWA training academy. Now, IWA is the longest uh running professional wrestling show in Australia. Like they okay. they've been around for over 20 years. Um, you know, run by Mark Mercedes, who has wrestled for WCW, he's wrestled over in Germany, trained, you know, Malenko trained. Uh, him as well like you know um so i went down there and i sort of sat down and i'm like all right cool this is how it sort of like the, the mechanics of it work and they're like all right so it's going to be like 1200 bucks and like you have to pay that up front and i'm like i'm 18 years old dude i don't have 1200 bucks <laughs> so i'm like all right yeah okay cool and i'm like all right cool nothing happened there and then uh like i went out again to like about a year later and met another guy who was training uh called andy harpus who is an australian wrestling legend and i went out there i met him he was a really cool guy like he was an older guy probably in his like 50s or 60s and it was like yeah you know like blah blah blah. like i'll train you you just need to come out here and it was like two and a half hours like it was like a 90 minute drive and i don't didn't even have a car at the time so by the time i sort of got like situated with car and stuff like that it was just sort of past my opportunity um which you know what i mean like looking back at it i wish like i probably went like balls to the wall and just went fuck it um but i think i let a lot of outsider influences as well persuade me out of it as well whereas i should have just went fuck you all i'm gonna fucking do this and you can all like go suck my fucking hairy white ass you know like <laughs> that that's that's what i should have said bro and that's what I, I you know that i always say and it's funny because now at 39 years of age you know through doing wrestling podcasting that i get um you know now opportunities to be in the wrestling business and it's not like to go and be like the guy like a wrestler going in there and you know having that spot but being able to go there and contribute as a ring announcer to be able to go and contribute as a commentator to see you know to have an opportunity like that whereas like on this level in like independent wrestling or australian wrestling you're not gonna get those opportunities unless you're an ex-worker that you just mm -hmm. basically you just want to stop or you want to step back from wrestling so I understand that the opportunities that I've been given uh, are a rarity and I should, and I appreciate them. Um, but it, still now at 39, I, I spin out that 
I'm making my entrance into to the world of wrestling in a non-competitive format, but still being able to contribute in a positive way to a show by ring announcing commentary or, you know, whatever I can do to, to help that product. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm happy to hear that you're getting those opportunities. I'm still waiting for a phone call myself, but uh, I won't hold my breath. Uh, but, you know, I think I can contribute. But, uh, you know, I guess, you know, maybe they don't feel like they need it, which is okay. Uh. <laughs> but you know what? That's the thing, dude. Like, the, the only thing you need to do is just keep doing what you're doing. And, and you know, like that's I, – I didn't think anyone would really want someone that i you know i mean i reached out to one promotion and they said hey we were kind of got people doing that sort of stuff and i went okay cool and you know that's fine and then you know out of nowhere i got just approached just like someone said hey look i've seen what you've been doing would you like to do this uh, try ring announcing and i was like fuck yeah man i've never done it before i'll give it my best shot you know and and having access to you know who i have access to you know a, a lot of ex-professional wrestlers i asked the questions like what do i do here like and i just got told you know don't put yourself over get the talent yeah. over and i'm like i'm a ring announcer dude so like should i not do the whole big like and now <laughs> come in the ring mick you know what i mean like <laughs> and then i got told you'll know and i'm like all right, that doesn't help. And then, like, when you're in that moment, you kind of know what you're there. To, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of sort of assess the situation and see what it is and and how you can sort of put little bits and pieces of flair into it. But, yeah, it, it's it's still, man, like I said, I, I when I have to, when I'm going and, and doing that sort of work at shows, I just try not to get in anyone's way or piss anyone off because, you know, you do the right thing, hi, hey, going, and, and stuff like that. And, you ask questions when you need to ask questions, but most of the time I just try and stand back and let the guys do what they need to do before the show, man. Afterwards, it's a different story, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's cool, bro. Um, okay, so like uh, as time uh, moved along in your life, uh, how did you get into doing, you know, your own show, getting into podcasting and, and deciding to, to jump into it? It was just a weird thing, man. Like I joined like a couple of wrestling belt groups and because I've always been a fan of the belts, like they're cool things. You know what I mean? They're a part of the product. And I just thought they were a cool keepsake. Um, and then I was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to start one of these Facebook belt groups for here in Australia. And, you know, people can do all that sort of shit. Then I was like, eh, you know, you know what? Like I want to do a weekly show in my, in my little group. And, uh, you know, started doing that. <clears throat> And then I was like, you know what? Maybe I should try and reach out to wrestlers and bang, reach out to one. Yeah, I'll do your show, man. Okay, cool. Then another, then another. then And then it just sort of started snowballing where it was like, okay, now I'm creating a website. Cre yeah, not a website, a YouTube channel and <clears throat> directing that to there. Having that live element as well where anything can happen. We're going to go live, baby, live. You're seeing this in real time, real live time. It's something as well, which was unique. Whereas like a lot of podcasts are, you know, pre-recorded and, and for very good reasons as well. Cause like you can go back and, and edit and, and chop what you don't need to chop. But like, for me, I thought, you know what, like the live thing, it kind of like that live radio type shit. <laughs> and I liked that idea. So, you know, I, I ran with it and, you know, after like, I started doing this, 
like in December 2019, just doing interviews. And, you know, that, then I interviewed, I think, uh, Angel Medina from ECW, who, you, who you've interviewed and um, who was known as the Kingpin Angel in as the Baldies. And I uh, interviewed him and, and just hit it off straight away. Um, uh, you know, as, like we were just bantering back and forth leading up to the interview. Um, so we had that bang, that straight, like almost like that funny sort of like, <laughs> you fucking, yeah, he's like, you're from Australia, Outback Jack, bro. He's like, doing his gimmick and and i was just like yeah yeah cool laughing it off and then he said to me he's like dude like have you ever thought about like he's like dude i really want to do a podcast man hey and i'm like cool and this is literally just after we i had him on my show and he's like yeah man he's like you know i'm like do you want to do something scandalous and you know like something like i don't know like like crime or and i'm like dude what about like wrestling like and looking at some of the dark dirty fucking underbelly shit of professional wrestling bro and he's like yeah bro like yeah yeah like we can look at like the murders the deaths the suicide the drug overdose the fucking abuse the yeah 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 but then like stuff like the you know the montreal screw job <clears throat> or like um the sunny days the bret hart and you know like or everything leading up in, i'm probably just focused too on those but like you know, all the different shit that's happened in the world of pro wrestling, like we could take on it, investigate it, you know, Angel being an ex-police officer and myself working and having a background in, you know, risk investigation, security management, public safety. We sort of started looking at it from a different scale. So we'd break it down where it's like, okay, yes, we're talking about a wrestling story here, but we're looking at it from a corporate structure. We're looking at it from a um legal structure we're looking at it from a victim's mm. point of view we're looking at it from a, the assailants all these different things where we we sort of tackle it and you know and, and that's how it, it just sort of you know everything else sort of spawned from there where it's like you know partnering with angel and getting wrestling with tragedy to where it's gotten to and and being having that as part as the, the russo's brand and then sitting back and looking at what i was doing over here with shooting the shit and I'm like, okay, there's so much more that we could do here. And it's like, Angel, you know, like you have so much to say. Why don't you come over here as well? I'll put a mic, like put your microphone on. I'll hit record, go live and you just fucking go. Mm -hmm. And we're going to call it killing the business. And he just went, I love, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I go, if shit that you see on the, like, I didn't give a fuck. And he's like, yep. And that was the straight away. And you know, we developed his show where like it, it started with me being his producer and me being like the second man with him. But I really wanted that to sort of have that as his standalone show. Whereas mm -hmm. like people know us with wrestling with tragedy. It's like, we didn't, I didn't want to confuse those, those two audiences. So it's like angel having this show. And then we brought in like, you know, uh, Sexton and, and King mega, which now that, that team really have that killing the business show running on a really great level. And then obviously incorporating, you know, the dead presidents, Boogaloo and Lowrider, who are uh, tag team legends, man, from the Indies, you know, gone all up and down the, all over the United States and very, very well respected um, tag team with Knights of the gimmick table. And then, you know, the last final piece was Alan, you know, bringing Alan Funk uh, as in as Get Funked <clears throat> with his show. 
and just worked with these guys. And now just sort of working with these show guys now where we started having, what was it four shows? We've now branched off and we now have seven shows <laughs> from that. So we have shows going seven days a week and it's like, you know, we're looking to add more content, more, you know, performers and stuff to it, but it's, we've really created a strong network of guys that have this mindset of, we want to be able to put, say what we want to say, talk to the people that we want to talk to, not necessarily always have to be controversial or any shit like that, but like not have to be worried about being overly policed. Oh, you got to do so that was the main thing. So it's like, I'm very much the stress head of the, the operation where I'm like, okay, did you hit sponsors? Did you, you know, like I'm always like that mindset because like in a business mindset, you still need to think about these sort of things. You still need to be able to give feedback to your guys and deliver a message to them, which is respectful, but saying, Hey guys, like you need to bring it back here or Hey guys, you need to push it for more here. You know, like, and it's, a, but the thing is as well, like, I expect them to come and tell me when I've done a bad interview and go, Hey man, like you could have done this better or you could have like, and that's the the collaboration side of things. There's no like me standing at the top of the, the chain, like the food chain, like cracking down whips or anything like that. These guys, um, uh, uh, you know, like I said, we are a, a, a very tight unit that, um, is being able to, to work together to everyone grows and just get better at this game. Yeah, bro. Awesome. Yeah. It's good. Great to hear about how it evolved, uh, during, or, you know, the, the time that you started it to where you're at now. And, uh, I guess my next question for you would be, you know, for you as a podcast doing all this right at the beginning, what would you see, say would be your, the tough challenges that you had early on? Um, Tough challenges early on, I think, would be like the nerves and mm. and also, you know, people think it's a lot easier than what it is. And when you sit down, bro, and you do it and you understand this as well, like, you know, when you're facing with someone who isn't giving you, isn't having a, a back and forth conversation with you, it makes it hard. And it's like, then you're kind of forced into going against your style of interview or how you do, how you even interview. Like for me, I do a very conversational style. Like it's, I don't necessarily have to go in and say, so I've got 50 questions. I want to hit all these 50. I'll have like points that I want to hit and discuss, but I'll always have a conversation. So when I'm talking and say, for example, you're telling me a story, I'll ask questions based off that story. So we're back and forth having a conversation like how we're doing here you know what I mean? Like that is, is the way that I do it. But sometimes when you get people, it's like, yeah. So, and they're like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Care to elaborate sunshine. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that, that's, that's another part that, you know, that we have to deal with and you deal with, you must deal with that as well. Right. Of course. I have had that before. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you, how do you, let me ask you this. How do you overcome someone who is more reserved <laughs> and, and not, as forthcoming as information with the information as you'd like. Uh, gen generally, uh, when I can see that that's happening, I, I have to, I, I think to myself, what can I do to turn them? I always call it turn, turning them. Now, how do I get them to switch on and, and, and be, um, how do I spark that, uh, that interest from them? That's going to get them to actually really like, uh, connect with me. And, uh, so if I haven't made that connection yet, I know at some point I will make that connection. 
uh, whether if, you know I make them laugh or I always try to plan a few jokes, which is kind of lame. Uh, no, not at all, man. <laughs> but it's also it's good to to be funny on the spot as well. But sometimes I will think, okay, I will say this probably at this point to see if I can pop them. And uh, so, like I've I've got like little things here and there that I've got planned with my questions to ensure that I I can at least spark that. Um, I guess just the interest from them to to get them to connect. I think another thing that I do quite well is like when I introduced you to the show. I'm really full of energy and, you know, I, I hit all of my lines perfectly most of the time. Uh, and, the best of this, you know? Yeah. And, and then they, uh, you know, I think they go, okay, this guy's the real deal. Like he, he knows how to uh, host a podcast and how to uh, make that connection. But still there have been times where um, like I'll, I interviewed Too Tough Tony uh, a while back and um it was the morning his time uh, and he asked me how long I wanted to go. And I said, oh, about an hour is usually what we do. And he's like, oh man, you know, I might only have about half an hour, but you know, we'll see how we go. Mm. By the time I got to an hour, he was like, damn, man, I was having so much fun. I could keep going. So like That's I could awesome. tell he was disinterested at the beginning. Cause when I, we first started talking, obviously I'm just going, Hey man, how are you? You know, mm. you know, uh, thanks heaps for your time. And, but then once I do my intro and then, you know, I'm telling him you did this on this date in this arena, you know, and you worked with this guy, you know, I know my shit. I've done my, I've done solid research yeah. that also impress, uh, can impress them. I suppose. Uh, then I even then stage... like it's, it's too tough, Tony, he'd be like, like he's getting pumped up now. Like, you, you know what <laughs> I mean? Like you, you're genius. But that's the thing, man. Like, that's the whole premise though like when someone's interviewing someone you want to be able to get them over like you know what i mean like even they don't need us to get them over bro but you get them over anyway you know what i mean you put it together and energy is a big thing as well dude like i'm the same way as you like when i come in and and do my show bro like i'm yo what's up it's your boy like yeah. having that high energy is also going to be more captivating to your audience because if we turn around was like hi my name's pierce and welcome to um shooting the shit uncensored tonight we are going yeah i mean like fuck off bro like yeah i mean like yeah. monotone so you know you have like at the end of the day it's an entertainment business so you have to be entertaining if you're going to do a podcast you have to be have that level of entertainment you have to have that energy and you have to bring that energy to get it from from your from your guests because if they see that energy from you, then they have to match that energy, bro. Because if they don't, then they're going to come across as just flat. And that's, that's why, it. like a lot of guys, like especially wrestlers, man, like that, you know, gimmicks and and characters, bro. Like they, they definitely want to make sure that they shine and and they get their points in, you know, and get their points across. Yeah, and it's like, you know, um, they've done so many interviews over the years. They've answered the same questions over and over again. I always think of it, how can I broach a subject that comes at it from a different way than they would usually be asked? And I, one of my favorite things is when someone says to me, wow, I've never, I've never actually thought of it that way before. Or, wow, I've never actually had that question before or had a question to me like that. Mm. Like... Um, and I'll get into some of that a little bit later, but um, yeah, you know. I, but but I, th I think you can easily go into that and you can even ask questions that they've been asked before, but it's the way that you ask them as well. Mm. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just like, dude, there's so much that, 
you know, like you can ask, there's so many different ways that you can skin a cat, right? So there's so mm. many different ways you can ask a question. So it's, I think it's, as long as you're creative with, with how you ask those questions and engaging, like, like, dude, sometimes you, you just, like I said, man, it's, you know, when you ask those questions, it's like, for me, it's all about having a good time, bro. And having a good vibe, you know, like, as far as like going into heat and stuff like that, like I kind of like, if I've had guests that want to go down that road, they'll go there and I'll, I'll, I'll work with them, bro. I'll bounce off them. But I don't usually go like digging down the rabbit holes for that sort of shit where I think a lot of um, the guests that see my show prior to coming on, they kind of get that vibe from me and they sort of, okay, cool. This is what we're going to expect from this guy. Um, is just like friendly, fun, loving and, and stuff like that. You know, I've had moments where I've had guys turn and start doing like a, a cold, hard shoot. And I just go, all right, cool. Let's roll with it. You know what I mean? Like, cool. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. You know what I mean? But it's, it's always on that respect level. I think that, you know, like having it at that sort of sense, like I heard it, I had a podcast, like, you know, Ian Rotten is right. Yes. All right. So I had a podcast that Ian Rotten did years ago, dude. And I was, it was like a two-hour podcast, and this the interviewer had him on just to fucking smash him, right? Oh god! Like just to fucking like, like he'd ask Ian a question, and then he would just like, as Ian's about to answer, just start blindsiding him. Oh, what, wait, wait a second, bang! And then like Mickey Knuckles comes into the conversation, and she's like starts talking shit. Then Madman Pondo comes in. And then like JC Bailey's dad comes in and Joe, ba- and like, it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Ian Rotten has a reputation in the business or whatever. And, you know, some people love him. Some people hate him. That's like most people in any thing, you know what I mean? In, in the world. But like, I'm sitting there going like, all right, is he a piece of shit? I don't know. I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. I, who might I say like what pick one person says is true or not. But to sort of have someone on your podcast just to like embarrass them and then belittle them. Yeah. I don't know, man, that takes a lot out of what you, you should be doing. You know what I mean? Like it, that's not, that's not putting your time to worth something that's, you know, positive in any way. Like, what do you get out of that, bro? Like, I was just like, that was fucking skeezy, you know? That's it. It's about putting them up on a pedestal. And, you know, as we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, when you do your intro, you know, uh, when I go watch another podcast, if if I know within the first 10 seconds, if I'm going to keep watching this and yeah. if this is going to be another one of those shitty podcasts out there, which uh, give, you know, I guess a Mark's podcast a bad reputation, you know, wrestlers might be more weary in future on uh, accepting an invite to go on a show because they might have had bad experiences with people that don't know what they're doing. So like I know within the first few seconds if I'm going to watch this, if someone's giving me energy, then I'm like, okay, this guy knows what he's doing. But if it's someone yeah. like, oh, well, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, uh, my guest at this time is blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, man, like, I don't know how, you know, and I, I'm alluding to certain someone there. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. And, you know, well, so you had this match with The Undertaker on Superstars. Would you say that was, like, your biggest match? Like, what do you think they're going to respond with when you ask a question like that, bro? <laughs> like, dude, I, I know who you're talking about as well, the fucking heat magnet himself. And, like, you know, I, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't really think that that sort of style of interview, bro, like the, the Hannibal 
you know, like TV style of interview is so early 2000s. You know what I mean? Like even when he's like making it full screen and like asking the questions, like, dude, it just, it, it feels skeezy, bro. It's almost like watching like, you know, a cheap porno, bro. <laughs> like, you know, it's fucking nasty. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? But like, I don't know, dude. I, I don't really enjoy that. Like I enjoy, like I said, dude, I enjoy doing the way I do it, man. Like just having conversations and having questions thrown in there that, that are that are genuine and they're questions for that moment like i try and if i go too far into preparing for that moment then the moment never really comes if that so to speak um but yeah like yeah the, the, I, i'm the same way dude like it, i i sit down in the first 30 seconds i know if i'm going to be enjoying um a podcast <laughs> or not just by the way that the intro is exactly the same <laughs> how, how you said it bro it's you know, like, dude, it's funny when I first started my first podcast, like the first time I interviewed someone, like I, I my first interview was Maven Bentley from CZW. <laughs> and the first interview I did, I'm like screaming. I'm like, what's up, everybody? Welcome to shoot the shit up. I'm like doing all these things and fucking like, and you just see like Maven, like. <laughs> Fantastic. And then, like the questions are so, maybe. <laughs> yes, little Australian man, what's up? You know what I mean? Like I, that was to, to me like that. Like I look back at shit like that, and I just cringe because I'm just going, "Fuck them!" Like, dude, like yeah, I, I cringe at a lot of that sort of stuff, man. Or even stuff that I did where I didn't have like a proper microphone, and and I was doing mm. it on like a fucking iPhone headset and shit like that like that sort of like as well like if i listen to a podcast it's like the audio quality and and listening to people that are professionals it's like okay you've invested in this you have a microphone you have a running off a computer i'm not looking at you with a moose knuckle hanging out like on your iPhone. (laughs) like you know what i mean like sitting back it's you know for me the audio quality of it if someone's like you know even the visual aspect of it as well like you know, if your internet is scratchy or, you know, lagging or your audio sounds like shit, then, you know, I mean, that's another reason where, where like a lot of people will go, yeah, fuck that. I, I don't want to fuck with that sort of shit. You know what I mean? Like me yeah. personally, I walk away from it. I go, no. Yeah. No, I remember I was listening to a Kevin Sullivan interview a while back and I couldn't get through it because uh, his audio kept on cutting out. And I was like, I can't do this. Um and, you know, I look at some of my early stuff and I had a different laptop, an older laptop and the yeah. webcam quality is so shit and my audio is terrible. And Same. once I interviewed Dan the B7 and we never got to release that interview because for whatever reason, the laptop switched from my headset microphone to the laptop's microphone, which was fucked. So like my audio was just so muffled and loud. Oh. We ended up not being able to use it. And I got that one for free. Uh, and then when I asked him, you know, can I get you back on the show? Because we didn't even end up getting to talk about his WWF uh, career. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at that point, he, he wanted to charge. And I was like, shit, we, we can't afford it at the moment. But, yeah, some of the those things with audio and all that can be stressful, especially when you're interviewing someone and their connection is really bad. And you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. This is this could ruin this interview. I'm getting good stuff, but their connection's so bad. Yeah, but you know bad. what, man? Like, I just I kind of roll with it if it says, and I'm like, yeah, mm. fuck, I just I just roll with it. But you even touched on a thing as well. Like, 
you know, paying someone to do an interview. Like that's, that's something that I, I, I really, I've always tried to steer away from. And, and I don't diss anyone who's done it, like paid performers or whoever to do an interview. Like that you are like, there's people who do it for a reason. I always went, you know what? My work is going to speak for itself. Where it's like, you're going to want to be on my show. It's mm. not like anything about paying. And, you know, I've had rest, I've had people go, oh, I, I charge this. And I just go back and I say, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, thank you. But I'm not, this is my standard, blah, blah, blah. This is where I believe. And go from there. And a lot of the time I've had guys go, yeah, all right, cool. I'll do it. No worries. You know what I mean? Like, just because I stand my, I stand my ground, bro. I stand by my product and I say, hey, look, I believe my show is, one of the best out there today in the world like you should want to do it like um you know if you don't want to do it cool but like um i don't believe i should pay for it you know what i mean like i don't believe that because i think that it's beneficial for both parties and you know that's probably me just being a little bit full of my own shit as well and being a bit full of myself but i think you have to be man you have to be able to back yourself and and that's something i've always tried to be from the get-go yeah, I get you, bro. Like, you know, early on, we did pay a few people. Uh, there was one situation where I paid someone and they no-showed me three times, managed to get my money back because I complained to PayPal. Um, but, you know, I have had those conversations with people where they, uh, they, well, I charge this much. And then I tell them, well, you know, you know, if you really would like to be connected with some of your Australian fans, you know, the invitation's still there, but like we just... We can't afford to pay everybody. Hundred percent, bro. Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I'm sure, like, some guys do it just because. And I get why they ask as well. Like, and I think, like, a lot of the time, it's either um, they just get so many, like, they get asked so many times. It's like their way of deterring it, or they just need the money, and that's their way of, you know, having a bit extra every month or every couple of months. So I get why they do it, but you know. Like I said, it's, you know, if you go back respectfully and say, this is why I don't do it, they either will go, all right, cool, and move on, or they'll do it. So, yeah. Um, toughest situation you have faced in an interview. Um, we've talked about tough challenges, but is there a particular interview, you don't have to name any names, where you felt like this isn't going well? Um, I think I've been... I think I've been really lucky and fortunate to have had some pretty amazing people on. Um, the only one I would probably say where I thought that was when, you know, one wrestler. And at the time I was streaming my show in some of the, the belt groups in on Facebook. And I had like, I had a different setup and I had like a couple of belts hanging behind me. And this wrestler goes, I never understood why like, grown ass men like yourself would buy those cheap ass wrestling belts. And I'm just like, Oh, fucking hell. Like you serious, dude. He's like, yeah. Like who'd you ever beat for those cheap eBay belts? I'm like, all right, first of all, motherfucker, they're not cheap. Right. And I'm like, I like thinking that to myself. I'm like, all right, cool. And, um, this wrestler, like I spoke to beforehand before we went live and I'm like, Oh man, like, you know, you know, I really like your work and etc. Blah, blah blah. Well, I'm not really wrestling too much now. I'm delivering pizzas for a living, and I remembered that line. And then, like, he kept on going about it. He goes, "Yeah, these, you know, they must be mentally not state, like, just really attacking my audience at this stage." Yeah. So I, I just went, "Well, 
Wrestling fans like to collect things, man, like autographs, photos, uh, 8x10s, T-shirts, wrestling belts, kind of like how you like to collect uh, tips for delivering pizza at night, right? <laughs> and like I said it, I just went, oh, fuck. I <laughs> but in the same sense, like, I, I felt like I'm one of those people, man. Like, if I feel like you're attacking and I feel like, like he was going a little bit too aggressive and I just checked him, bro. It wasn't like, I just, like, you know what I mean? I just checked it like that because like, it was, it wasn't said in a malice way. It wasn't said in a, a vicious way, but it was just like, well, you know, more of like a tongue in cheek. And when I went back and watched it, I went, okay, cool. It comes across like a little bit of a tongue in cheek than more of like me being a dick yeah. or it, it, but like him, like he was, I don't know, maybe he, that person was intoxicated. Like I kind of think they were a little bit inebriated at the time. Um, but still, like I said, I felt like I was backed in a corner that I needed to uh, defend the wrestling fans. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I, I mean, for me, uh, I had a, I had someone that I was interviewing, um, and I had to wait like a. I, this was planned in a, a month in advance, right? I don't care. It was big veto, right? Um, yeah. And I I had done some. I'd helped out him and his wife with a few things. Uh, we she, she and I used to talk every now and then, and she posted on our Facebook once about oh, you know, the WWE Network. Uh, they cut out um, Vito singing Frank Sinatra on Thunder on this episode. And I've got like every original airing of uh, WCW on a hard drive. So I got that episode, cut that bit out, sent it to her in an email. So then they got to finally watch it. And then the next thing was, I think Vito uh, was on about 10 episodes of TNA's weekly pay-per-views at one stage. Yeah. And uh, they had no access to see it. But, you know, after all these years, he wanted to look back at what he'd done there so again i had the first 100 pay-per-views uh, from tna's weekly pay-per-views on a hard drive got those 10 emailed them uh <clears throat> maxed out my uh you know uh, google drive and and uh, uh my dropbox just to try and get it to them uh it took a while but i, I managed to get there so i've done these two nice things and then i started this podcast and I asked if I could have him on the show. And because he was a security guard at a retirement home where he would do the graveyard shift, it was hard for him to be able to do a morning, which was fine. Um, so we like kind of figured out, okay, well, if we can do it midday, that will be whatever it was. It was like 2 a.m. for me, but like yeah. I was okay with that just to get this one uh, in the can because I felt like, man, there's no big veto shoot interviews out there with RF video. There's nothing out there. Maybe I can get that ultimate interview with him to talk about all the ins and outs of his career anyway try and get to a long story short here yeah uh it, i had to wait like a month for this interview i'm sitting there it's you know really early in the morning uh no one joins the call i send messages no one's reading any messages no one's online i think by about you know 4 a.m i just said i'm, I'm going to bed now i um, hope everything's okay i just assume like maybe there's an emergency um, but they had slept in, which is okay. That's fine. Yeah, that, happens. Um, that happens. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. Because, um, you know, I've had people in that show plenty of times. Uh, so <clears throat> we set it up again. And this time it was like, it was so far, it was like nearly two months away that we picked a certain date. Finally, he's there, start the interview. He just was completely disinterested the whole time. 
Uh, he was giving me real blanket answers. No, he wasn't branching into real stories. And, you know, what was it like when you first met Johnny the Bull? You know, what were your first impressions of him? It's just like everything was great. Everyone was cool. Never had a problem with everyone, you know, but no anecdotes, no stories. And I was, I couldn't, as we we're talking about before, I couldn't turn him. It was the only person I could not get to, to, to connect with me. Um, and why, why think, do you think that was? I just feel I, I spoke to some people that are closer with him um, about, about that after I'd interviewed them. And they said he probably just felt like, as you just submark, that this was kind of like a waste of his time. And, you know, that that's probably what it might have been. Um, but the thing that bugged me the most was we got like an hour in. We had just finished up talking about WCW and he gets a phone call. And he's on the phone for like seven seconds. It's not very long. Hangs up the phone and says, sorry, I have to go. There's a family emergency. And I'm panicking. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, how do you want to finish this off, bro? Because like, uh, I've still got a whole heap of questions, but like if it's an emergency, you know. He's like, oh, just, let's just, you know, just wrap it up. And so I, I wrapped it up, said some nice things. He gave me some compliments. You have a really nice show here and all that. And I was like, felt like he didn't really find it to be a very nice show yeah um and then later on i messaged his wife just asking you know hey is everything okay and she said oh yeah his niece fell over and hit her head so uh we took her for ice cream and i was like so like she hit her head she didn't have to go to hospital so it was an emergency i was just i didn't say this but i was thinking and i'm like so like I only probably had about maybe 40 minutes left of questions to talk about TNA and WWE and how he's doing today. Mm. And it got cut off at that point to take her for ice cream. To me, it just didn't compute why it was called a family emergency and why it had to be cut short. If you find out she's okay, we'll take her for ice cream, but I better hop back on to finish off this interview for this guy. That was what was running through my head anyway. Yeah. I had tried to follow up with her again and say, look, I've only, it's only like 30, 40 minutes more I need because I can't really release this interview with the way it is now because it, it just ends so abruptly. Uh, and she was like, oh, yeah, sorry, he's just too busy right now to be doing it. And I was just like, man, I fucking did all this nice stuff for you guys and you can't even give me that full interview. So uh, I don't know. I just wanted to see what you thought of that situation, you know, because uh, uh, that was my yeah. toughest one that I've been through. <clears throat> Dude, that that's a hard hard one, man. Like, because at the end of the day, like you you kind of have to like if people aren't into it, man, they're not into it, you know. And you you just got to sort of realize for what it is. And you know, I think one of the things that I do as well is like I don't try and drag my interview out for a certain amount of time. You know what I mean? Like, if I get to forty five minutes with doing an interview with someone, and I feel like I've gotten as like we've gotten as much as we can get in the interview i'll wrap it up like i won't try and draw it out for two hours or an hour like it like you know what i mean or we could be having a good conversation okay no worries i see it's starting to wind up and it's like when you you have a conversation with someone that you see in the street that you know like you know what i mean like oh no no, no you're gonna stay here for another 25 minutes so we hit that hour mark you know what i mean like it's it's kind of like that's just the way I've done it. It's like some conversations I have go for like an hour and 40 minutes. Some conversations I have go for 45 minutes. It's just how it flows. But I think as well, like to have 
that happen like that's unfortunate man like because it's like you invest a certain amount of time to already get that part down and then it's like you can't really use it so i can see how it'd be frustrating <laughs> but like big Vito, man he's a he's an interesting cat dude like he, he's got he's got stories man he's 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 a funny dude i had him on my show and and like you know he definitely was able to to get some good stories um from him but like, like i said man it just depends you could have got him on a day where he just wasn't feeling himself bro like yeah that and that's something you have to take into consideration as well. like, we're all human bro we all have days where we have off days we all have days where we're like short with certain people whether it be in the shop or something like that and then that can be a flow-on effect to other people so he could have been then short with you then you've gone fuck this and then you've gone and gotten short with your wife or like someone else and they've gone what the fuck's wrong with fucking color what the you know what I mean? and then you go you know what I mean? it's just like as this ongoing cycle bro so like you just look at it like it can be sometimes some got people have just had a shitty day and you've just copped that end of it you know what i mean from them and and that's just part of it you know it goes with what we do as podcasters man is you know sometimes you gotta take the good with the bad like you know i'm sure you've had you've i've seen you have amazing interviews with some people dude i've had amazing interviews with some people i've had some that i've gone eh, not my best and i'm sure you've had the same yeah. same thing and it's not that it's not my best because of the person or because of me it can be sometimes hey man sometimes two people just don't connect on a conversational level bro and and that's okay you can still have like a somewhat civil conversation and interview with someone, but you know, the ones where like you really connect with someone and you have that good back and forth and that good banter, man, like, you know, you, you can't get that every single time, you know, which yeah. is kind of sucks. Yeah. I get you. Cause like I was on your channel earlier and I saw that you'd interviewed him and I clicked on it and I skipped into like the middle and he was like smiling and telling a story, I think about angel. And I was like, well, he didn't smile when he talked to me. <laughs> hey, man, it's a beard, brother. It gets them all every time. <laughs> no. Anyway, I just wanted to tell you that story. You know, I haven't got anything against him or anything like that. I just kind of felt a bit sour about it because I'd done all of this nice stuff and I couldn't even get like a, a, a nice fun interview with him. I thought me being Italian as well, that we'd really click, but uh it yeah, is that's, what it that's is. what you should have said him man send him some i did i said it's us two paisans here talking and i'm really trying to sell it on them <laughs> yeah oh man like there, there's there's a lot you can get into it but man i'll try and reach out to him again dude you know give him another shot and see what you can do bro yeah we'll, we'll see we'll see um all right well, well i'll keep moving forward here with uh my questions here bro uh it's all good bro Sorry. uh we we uh we kind of alluded to it earlier shitty podcasts and all that um do, do you feel like because uh, there's there have been people that have been like messaging me or whatever hey man i want to start my own podcast yeah. what do i do and i kind of feel like if you need to ask me that then maybe you shouldn't do it because um you know what i mean like i just there's so many mark podcasts out there that the market is completely flooded and you know you see some of these bad ones out there i remember there was this one i saw with a he was like a teenager uh and he went live on twitter with his interview with doug basham and it was just this kid sitting on a couch and doug wasn't there yet because he was stuck in traffic 
And I was like, well, I'm not watching this, dude. Like, I'm not watching you just sit there whilst you're waiting for him to, to get home. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, it's, um, it, it, it's like, I get a few messages each, like, uh, you know, here and there. And uh, I, like, I'm always happy to sort of tell people, but like, one thing I've noticed is like, like I had people that would like see like, oh, like I'm going to have like TJ Perkins on my show or I'm having Leo Rush. And it's like people who have a podcast, but aren't like at the le- that level, so to speak, where I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but like they'd say, give me some advice. How do I get wrestlers to be on my show? Well, dude, like just send just out an email, just send, <laughs> send out an email, just ask them. Yeah. Well, how do I get John Cena? Well, dude, like, be like realistic, man. John Cena is probably not going to do your podcast, dude. John Cena is probably not going to do anyone's podcast, to be honest. But like, dude, like, what you need to do is like, you need to, like, if that's what you want to do, you need to get your name out there, dude. And it's like these same people would then email, like, sit there and go, "Oh, you got T- um, TJ Perkins," and I'm just pulling that name out. I want to get TJ Perkins. Great, reach out to him. You know what I mean? Like, is it? Yeah. It's like their way of saying, "Hey, I want you to fucking ask." To, like, I've yeah. had people message me yeah. go, "Hey, will you get people to do my podcast?" No, why not? <laughs> because I go to a lot of work to get people to do my podcast. Why would I do that for you? Like, what? You know what I mean? Like, and that's the thing. Like, I think there's a lot of people there, and I think that it's not just in podcasting, but just like in life in general, they want things and they want to achieve, but they don't want to put in the work. You know, like, dude, like, I I see the work that you put in and that you grind, right? And, like, I'm the same way, dude. I, I put in work and I grind. And I, I I do everything that I need to do. I'll sit there and send 100 emails or, or, or DMs or whatever it is that I need to do to mm. be able to put on to get whoever I want to get on. And it's, like, it comes down to, like, how much determination, how bad do you want it? Like, do you, oh yeah, I want to be a podcaster or do you know I'm going to fucking, I'm going to be a fucking podcaster. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do the best show that I can. I'm going to improve, get better and better. I'm going to learn how to all, how to do these things, how, what a better mic is, what a better setup is, what a better look, you know, if you have that dedication to it, you know, it's not just like, being a mark having a wrestler on and being able to mark out for 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. have like you know what i mean like that's a, a main thing whereas like i think a lot of like wrestling fans that do is like yeah like oh I'll get to talk to a wrestler for an hour okay great but if you don't have something like do you want to sit there and have like a meaningful conversation with someone and and you want to like ha- you know what I mean? Like have a good conversation or you just want to sit there and go, yeah, man, I remember in like not 2003 um, when you came out and then like you choke slam and then went, yeah, that's what happened, bro. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, man, I did that too. Yeah. Okay, bro. You know what I mean, bro? Like I'd rather have a conversation and like you'd ask certain things in depth about it, but there's so many people, like I've had people go, hey man, can you watch my show? Give me advice. And yeah, I'll give him advice. Yeah, but yeah, but and I'm like, yeah, but what, man? Oh, but yeah, what you're saying there, but but you asked me for advice. I'm just giving it to you. Not after an argument, bro. <laughs> it becomes like, an argument, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. I've had that happen a couple of times where now, like, you know what I mean? Like, unless you're part of my close-knit circle, bro, or someone that I feel like I can be real with. 
um, I'll give you honest feedback, man. Like, you know, and, and that's the thing where it's like now being in the role that I'm at with MWA, I have to be able to go and give like constructive feedback to people. But again, like these are guys that are professional wrestlers, man, that have been around and, you know, like I'm talking, you know, it's in their world as well as mine, but like how I go and give them that feedback, Hey, maybe try this. Or what about if we did this with your show and it's giving them like little bits of feedback without sort of being, you know what I mean? Like you can give feedback in a nice way and you can give feedback in a dickhead way. And like mm. there's times where you need to give it where it's more, Hey, I need you to hit this and this point when you start your show. Cool. That's, that's the sort of extent it is. But as far as their product, like I'll give them things. So, Hey, why don't you try this as a saying hey, you should do this because as well, you have to be able to tell someone who might not feel comfortable or not see your vision of how that should be done. So you have to let them do their vision. We're going, Hey, what about if you try this and like give suggestion. And that's the same way that I work with, with everyone else. Like angel will go, Hey man, I saw when you did this interview, you said this, what about if you word it this way? Okay, man. Yeah, cool. I get that. That makes a lot of sense. Or same thing with, with Kiwi or one of my producers might go, hey, Pierce, I noticed this about your show. What if you just alter it a little bit here or do something? You know what I mean? And then my thing starts thinking and it's like, all right, cool. So you start that process and that's where it comes down to is like giving constructive feedback. But some people, man, they just want everything handed to them. As I said before, I've had people ask me, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I'll give people advice. Where do I start? Okay, go do this, go do this, blah, 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 blah. I'm happy to give people advice, but when the people turn around and expect me to give them the shirt off my back, bro, or like the food off my table type of shit, come on. Like, but dude, I've had people I don't even know hit me up like that, bro. And I'm like, motherfucker, really? Like, what? <laughs> you know, that to me is like one of those things, dude. Like, like uh, it was only like a, a month ago, I messaged you. It's like, hey man, I'd really like to get the Messiah on my show. I don't know how to find him. I know you've interviewed him, and he said, oh, uh, his name on Facebook is this. I'm like, oh well, that's why I didn't find him because I was typing in William instead of Billy. <laughs> okay, cool. I found him. I, I, I didn't say, hey man, can you can you contact him for me to get him on oh. my show? You just you, you gave me a, a a tip, and then I've already I've already interviewed him, and it's. It's going to be then, up in the next few that, weeks. And that's the thing. Like, I knew he would be the sort of guy that is is cool to do these interviews. You know what I mean? So that's why, like, you know what I mean? If you said, hey, man, I'm really interested in what whoever, and I knew they weren't keen on, you know what I mean? That they did it as a favor to me or something. I'd be like, hey, man, like, you can reach out to him, bro. But, like, I'll tell you straight without, like, and that's not mm. being a dick. That's just me saying, hey, man, look, they're probably going to come back and give you a no. Just, you know what I mean? Don't get too disheartened. Because that shit happens, man. Like, like I said, some people, I've seen people go do interviews that have said meet no to me before, and they've gone and done interviews on someone with, uh, with platforms that may be smaller than my platform. But I go, okay, cool. Like, I don't know the sub context behind that. Mm. They may have been friends. Their grandmothers may go to the same bake sale every Sunday, or <clears throat> you know, or, or anything along those lines. So you have to kind of like take certain things with a grain of salt in this game. Absolutely, man. Um, <clears throat> who is who is uh, one guy or girl? I, I, I guess the saying is, who is your white whale? Like, what's what's like the one person that you you just you wish you could get on the show? 
Hmm. I don't know, man, because there's there's so many, bro. Like I'm a huge indie mark as well, bro. So like I go, I'm oh, I shouldn't say mark, but I'm a huge indie supporter. So uh, I don't know, dude. Like Jericho Foley, uh, you know, indies would be like Nick Gage, um, like. Fuck, man. It's hard. Like, Australian wrestler, Madison Eagles. Um, dude, yeah, like, the, the list is so long, man. What about you? Who's the who's your white whale? You see, when you say, like, names like Jericho and McFoley, to me, for whatever reason, I don't feel uh, as interested in, like, a bigger name like a Steve Austin, even though it would be amazing, right? But yeah. it's because they've done every interview under the sun. What else can be asked? But I, so, I just feel Jericho would be like the coolest motherfucker. Oh, like, dude, dude, Jericho's, been cool. Jericho's like the Dave Grohl of professional wrestling. He's been cool for 30 years, bro. Yeah. He would be. No, cool. He would be. But like, I, that's like, for me, like, I, I'm really interested in some of those like names you don't get to hear interviews with uh, because there's people out there that I want to know their story, but I can't find an interview with them. Like I interviewed Bob Artis, who's, you know, one of the best ring announcers that I've ever heard. And, I wanted to know his story because he was there from Tri-State through Eastern through Extreme Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and yeah. I got to do that. And that was really awesome. And he loved me so much that he he sent me an ice hockey jersey. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, like someone like Jerry Flynn, you haven't heard from that guy since he retired in 2000. You know, I know I know where he works. I've, I've actually sent an email to his job, got no reply. I was just like, man, I know he works there because on the website you can see pictures of him. You know, they, they've got the staff list there and he's yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. That's just one guy. Like, you know, I can I can go through so many, but, you know, like uh, Kenny Chaos or Robbie Rage from High Voltage, you know, people that you just don't, you haven't heard about or, or, or know anything about since they retired 20 years ago i just th yeah. those are those are those are the ones that i really want uh the ones that he, like blitzkrieg from wcw no Fuck interviews yeah, with yeah. him anywhere i know where he works i sent an email no response it's okay i i had to give it a try right <laughs> dude that that's the commitment man that's like going after like the the unheard of of the wrestling world man and i think that that's that's a pretty cool way of going about it and yeah, like you, you're looking back at the guys, like the throwback sort of of who you want to try and get, and you know you look at guys like even like I'm just trying to think who else like of that generation, like maybe even like Brooklyn Brooklyn. Ah, came and talk Brooklyn Brawler, who's a guy that yeah. you don't really see out there of, and you know he'd be a cool guy. You know, yeah, like just like, you look at some of the names, it's like. Fuck. I do deep, deep research trying to track these people down that are just completely off the grid. Like I found the gambler's son. He has a Twitter account. Jesus, man. That's and, fucking heavy duty, bro. <laughs> and I'm trying, but like he, he said that his dad's really difficult to get to do anything uh, when it comes to interviews and all that. So I've left it for a while. I'll try again. I just don't want to like annoy him. But like the, again, it's just like one of those rare people. You, no one knows what's happened to him in the last 20 years. I got to try and get him. So like those are the names that for me, that's like the most important ones just to get that story out there. Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> Fuck, man. Like there's so many of like, 
um like you look at so many talents as well. Like I love when you actually get to have an interview with someone that you may have watched when you were younger and like they, they end up being the coolest motherfucker ever. Mm. And like that to me is like, all oh, right, that's like, that hits it, like hits it good. But for me as well, like, like when I do an interview, I try not like, I know, dude, like I always try not to be too overly of a fanboy. Yeah. Like to, to mark out because I think that, you know, for me, I've always wanted to be, you know, looked at as a respectable podcaster. And that was just always my thing. And, you know, as I learn more about the, the, the workings of the business and, and the wording of things, how you talk with wrestlers and, you know, even the handshake, you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> um, those sort of things, man, are, are things that like I, I've tried to really instill in, in how I present myself to professional wrestlers like even when i'm interviewing them um you know i just had enzo on bro and it's like you know i i didn't want to come across as a mark and i never try and do like even i like you know i've had ken shamrock on and you know i made him pop at budgie smuggler you know what i mean like that, that to <laughs> me was more of a, a thing that I, I popped out was like getting ken shamrock to lose his shit but <laughs> as far as like you know seeing some of these like people that do interviews and they have like these little fan out moments and shit like <clears throat> you got to know you got to know your place like if you're just doing it for fun and you don't really want to be like a podcaster and you, but even then bro like if you're just doing it for fun and you get like a fucking like a bray wyatt for example and you're like oh my yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like you'd be like how the fuck did this guy get you know what i mean but <laughs> Even then, like, if you're just doing it for fun, all right, cool. But, like, when you're on the level of, like, what we're trying to do um, and be respected in this this industry, you have to present yourself in a respectable manner and, and be taken seriously. And, you know, you can be knowledgeable, but you don't necessarily have to be, like, completely mark out fanboy over certain things. And, and, and you know, you, you, like I said, you can still be a fan of the product. You can still be a fan of certain things, but like it's just little ways of how you present yourself, I think are important if you want to be taken seriously. Yeah, definitely, bro. We're getting right to the tail end here, bro. Uh, proudest yeah, yeah. moment or proudest moments you've had during your time podcasting. Is there anything that stands out? Um, starting to work with Russo's brand um on with wrestling with tragedy that was a big thing um you know vince is one guy who gets a lot of um like bro people throw a lot of shade at this man that man every single day and it's like you don't understand how what you saw on television and what the stories that you hear about people in a business that he was a part of 20 something years ago is like Vince is one of the nicest guys in the world that wants to help people. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Vince. <clears throat> He's given me opportunities to go out to a, a massive platform that I'm forever grateful. You know, he's given me opportunities with MWA and, and, and being part of, of that as well with him and, and to get that, you know, those opportunities and, 
I'd say those are my most shining moments and seeing the people around me succeed, bro. Um, seeing Angel succeed as a podcaster and seeing Alan uh, having his show and and the dead presidents, Boogaloo and Lowrider and seeing people like Sexton and Charles and King Mega and, you know, Travis and um, Brad, these guys that are coming in and contributing on all these different sort of levels. That makes me proud. Seeing them succeed when they've done something really good that they're proud of, that's a proud moment of mine because it's almost like, fuck, man, these people are so passionate about this thing that we've been able to build. <clears throat> and it's a team mentality. So when I see these guys succeed and, and do like a great show or have a great opportunity come up, I get excited for them about that. And you know, my proudest moment is being able to be associated with these sort of guys and be associated with a team that is so strong and so dedicated to what we're doing and building this community, which is worldwide um, and, and having opportunities that we get from people that, you know, it kind of, it, it just kind of surprises you, man. Like it's, you know, th those sort of things and, and being told and given feedback from people that you respect, Hey, you're good at what you do those are things uh, uh, you know those are things that i can sort of sit, sit back and go cool man like i'm i can be you know what i mean like these people are saying i'm the shit they don't have to they can be brutally honest with me and, and to get that feedback those are proud moments man like when you know those are honestly the proud proud moments you know um i'd have to say even <clears throat> sorry to sort of harp on but That's you know cool. like <clears throat> i got told like a while ago there was this young guy who had uh leukemia he's an australian wrestling fan and he reached <clears throat> he was on instagram live and i saw him at a show and he's like hey man can i get a photo with you and he always supports my show <clears throat> and loves aussie wrestling and he did an instagram live like a couple of weeks ago and he sent me an invitation he's like please join my instagram live I'm like yeah fuck it whatever and, we, and you know i went live and vibe with him for a bit and he was like, man, you're the best podcaster in the world, dude. You're my favorite YouTuber. I'm like, That's oh, great. thanks, man. And, and he goes, dude, like when I was like on life support, the nurses would ask me, what, what do you want? Like, what can oh we do God, for you to right. make you think? And he's like, can you put YouTube on and put on shooting the shit uncensored? Like, I want to see Pierce do his thing. And it's like, dude, this dude said, this guy said to me, man, he goes, you saved my life, bro. And I'm like dude no 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 i didn't save your life bro you're a fighter you know what i mean like me talking shit to wrestlers bro no <laughs> dude you save your life because you have some fucking balls on you and you're a fucking go and he told me he goes man i asked the nurses to reach out to you to come and visit me in hospital but like you didn't come so i thought you were just busy i'm like dude no one reached out to me and i'm like <clears throat> no i said dude if i did i would have come 100 percent and you know, like uh, that to me, like hearing stuff like that, when people like in their darkest hour and they saw comfort in something that I've done and, and in conversation, a conversation that I've had with another person and someone is able to find some sort of comfort in a dark time in their life or when they're going through something major and that mm. was able to help them disconnect from that. Dude, that, that to me was like the first time anyone had said that something to me like that. And that was just like, Dude, I was almost in tears. Like, I legit, I was, dude, that was one of the saddest things. Um, not saddest, but just one of, one of the things, though, right? like, just one of those things. I was just like, I was just in tears. Like, I was just, I was blown away. Wow. You know? and, and to have that, dude, like, 
you, you have those moments, I think, as a podcaster or, or even of anything in the entertainment world where you're like, should I really be doing this anymore? Like, what, like, oh, you know, the numbers weren't really there for this one or that, you know, like, I feel like I was a bit flat or whatever. And then you hear something like that and that just fucking motivates you tenfold because you're like, bro, I'm going to fucking keep, like, knock it out of the fucking park. Um, or I'm going to, hell yeah, man. No, nah, like, and as podcasters, you have those moments, bro. You have the, oh, fuck, like those, those little lulls and shit. But like after hearing that, man, I was just like, let's go, baby. Let's take this to another level. Um, and that was just my mentality from it, bro. Like just hearing that was like tugged on the heartstrings, bro. You know? But what about you? What's been one of your proudest moments? Um, I guess <laughs> when I'm able to make a wrestler cry, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> because I said something that uh, really made them feel good about themselves. Um, when I had Frankie Lancaster, oh, Frankie sorry. Lancaster, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, journeyman, you know, it been had done it for years, was kind of unappreciated, but also appreciated by people that like knew his work and knew how good he was. You know, he looks like you know Bob Holly and Hulk Hogan uh, put together. But he was chiseled out of stone. I remember seeing him on Saturday night and I said, like, he looked like a superhero. Yeah. And uh, he said that that was the greatest compliment he ever had in the business. And he considers himself to only have real three real friends in the business, but considers me to now be the fourth one. And he was like, he was in tears on the show saying that was the greatest compliment I've ever had. I want to thank you so much for saying that because uh, wow. me and Mike from Disorderly Conduct, he passed on what I, because I said it to him. And he passed on that, what I said to Frankie before I interviewed him. And yeah, and then Frankie proceeded to want to like spend 10, 15 minutes just talking about me, asking about me, saying, you're such a wrestling historian. I can't believe at your age that you know all the things that you know. And so like that, that for me was probably yeah. the, one of the proudest moments to, was to make somebody feel really good about themselves that might have kind of felt like, uh, you know, he's at this stage of his career, mm. you know, people aren't talking about him anymore because you know he's you know and he's still getting up at three in the morning going to the gym and in incredible shape for his age so for him to have somebody all the way over here in perth western australia recognize yeah. the great stuff he did and the great work he put in i think that that meant a lot to him so for me that was like that got me right here to to see that i could reduce a a very tough man that's been through a lot to tears. Uh, Hell yeah, man. That's crazy. Yeah. And the fact you didn't even say it to him, bro, it just got back to it. You know what I mean? Like that's even, <laughs> that's even more out, outrageous, dude. Like it, it comes down to the fact of, you know, like just little things, man, of, of what you can say to someone to, to really put someone in perspective, dude. And to really have that moment of like, to, you don't know how like it, far a nice word can go with some people man you know what i mean like it comes down to like you could see someone who's just like fuck life fuck this i'm just gonna go kill myself hey man that's a nice shirt you have on today you, you have a great day or just so, you know what i mean hey buddy hope you're having a good you know what i mean stuff like that bro can change the course of someone's outcome for for their life for their day um and it's just a small little gesture that I think us as a society 
could very well easily do. Like I remember being as a kid, bro, like you'd walk past someone, hey, how are you today, mate? People you didn't even know. And like, then like, as I got older, I'm like, fuck, man, people don't do that shit anymore, man. Like, <laughs> you go for a walk down the street. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, good, buddy. Yourself? Yeah, sweet. And I try and do that now. Like someone's like looking in my direction. I was like, what's up, man? Like, <clears throat> you know, moving right along, you know, so. I know what you mean. Now you're walking down the road, you walk past a little old lady and you say, you know, good afternoon. You know, that might make her feel good that someone, you know, said. Yeah, but bro, I'm a bald headed man with a fucking long beard covered in tattoos. So she gets scared. <laughs> She's like, this, 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 this bite, this dude's going to fucking bite my head off or fucking, oh shit, get away from me. <laughs> excellent, bro. Excellent. But yeah, you know, I always end my shows on. Uh, you know, really building them up and always letting them know, hey, if you could reach this far, the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, and have someone here appreciate you, then you've done you've done your job. And I think that always really hits home for them that they could reach this far. So that's something that I say that at the end of every episode, you know, because I, I think that's an important thing for them to know. And, uh, you know, like when I interviewed uh, Wildcat Chris Harris, you know, uh, he had a lot of ups and downs in his career, you know, Braden Walker and all that. And I went on this rant, st- stick it up for him kind of thing, because I've seen the comments that these uh, Twitter accounts that have a random name to it and a random picture, and they're just hiding behind their little account where they disparage people. And like, I, by the end of that interview, I can tell you this guy was on cloud nine. He was like ready to get on with his day. Like, like he, he might have, thought certain ways about his career but then to have somebody put it into a different perspective for him might have made him now feel a little bit differently about his career you know what i mean 100 percent, dude you know have you had any trolls online like from twitter and shit from from what you've been doing um i've had uh i've had some comments on uh youtube videos which have just been stupid and like made no sense like uh me and uh me and jack uh we interviewed pg-13 uh, so Jamie Dundee was on the show and Jamie was smoking a joint in his man cave whilst the interview was going on. And oh, Jack yeah, was talking on. about having a bit of weed as well. And someone commented saying, oh, like that is so unprofessional. Like imagine you had the undertaker on and you're telling him that you're going to be smoking some weed. He'd be, he'd be leaving the interview immediately. And it's like, but we didn't have the undertaker on. We had Jamie fucking Dundee who was smoking a joint. It made sense at the time. Like, oh. so, you know, it's just stupid shit like that, you know, oh, dude. but thus far I've been pretty lucky. How about you? I had one troll not too long ago, man. Like I, we're lucky to have like our audience is pretty supportive of us, our, our supporters and our audience and that. Um, but I had one on Twitter who sent me a DM on Twitter saying, <clears throat> what is like, you, you suck. Your podcast sucks. You suck as an interviewer do your kids a favor and go and kill yourself. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 And like, cause like my profile picture has my, me and my kids in it and my wife and shit, you know? And like, I'm like, fuck man, that's some pretty cold shit. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm not going to reply. Then I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm replying. <laughs> I'm replying. And I just replied back. Uh, I have no idea who you are or who this is. Yeah, you know everything about me. You, oh, and I said, yeah, you know who I am and you watch what I do, but you don't like me. Bitch, that makes you a fan. Stay in your fucking lane. Don't try and come at people. 
that are doing something that you're not capable of doing or you don't have the courage to do. Don't. And I, and I, and like we, me and this person went back and forth. And at the end of it, I left it was like, now's when you fucking apologize. And you should probably promise me that you're never going to send someone a message that you don't know like this ever again, because you look like a fucking moron and the person apologized. And that was it. You know what I mean? Like, but at the end of the day, dude, like I, you know what I mean? I, that's one out of eight, like nearly two years of doing it. But like, even then I was telling people, they're like, dude, don't get sucked into that shit. And I'm like, ah, fuck. <laughs> like, it, it irritated me. I'm like, dude, you're really going to tell like a father to go and like kill himself, like as a favor to his kids. Like what so the fuck? Extreme. <laughs> so extreme. Fucking like, idiots. But I know what you People mean. Dude. Like, guys, I had an argument with someone on Twitter. You know, I've got to stop doing that. But like, <clears throat> He was an AEW fan and I had said something that I didn't like on the show or whatever. And uh, the way he responded to me was so over the top and, and rude. And um, I just, I just fired right back, just laying it, laying the law down to him about how, you know, we're we're having a discussion here. Why go down that road? And he ended up apologizing to me saying yes see that's no. why i don't i don't fucks with the the comment sections on twitter and fucking facebook bro like especially for fan posts and shit because like as soon as like i say exactly what i'm thinking and like dude when your mentor is someone like bin hameen bro <laughs> like dude like i i sit there and and like i just don't fuck with certain conversation pieces man like i've said things on like my nxt roundup show where i'm going this is clearly developmental like this is like this is and this is the reason why what the fuck would you know it's the third brand no it's not and why isn't it not is Adam Cole getting paid the same amount of money as AJ Styles? Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 you know, Velvet, I don't know, like, I don't know who else is on NXT. Uh, is Kyle O'Reilly getting paid the same amount of money as, I don't know, who's like someone, I don't know, like Rusev, for example? No, he's not because he's in developmental. He's not up here. Yeah, and that's the way you you can really manage. Like you look at it like that. Okay, cool. They have a more creativeness down here, but this is the big league where they're making the big money. Like, let's be honest. And like, I have fans that like viewers that get the shits when I say stuff like that. But wrestling subjective, man. I give my opinion, and you know, I don't shit on products and I don't shit on workers, but I do give a perspective of how I view things. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I don't think that the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks is the greatest cage match of all time. Dave Meltzer does. That's okay. It's fine if he wants to believe that. <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> let's not get on a Dave Meltzer rant. Let's not okay? get, let's, bro, come on. You almost got me going on a fucking Hannibal rant, bro. Don't get me on, don't get me on Meltzer. Oh my God, Dave Meltzer. I, I, I don't know if you've seen anything else on our channel, but we, um, you know, we do a lot of video game. Uh, playthroughs as well on our channel and uh, uh, one of our series that we have is uh, is on fire pro and uh, uh, there's two two uh, sorry um, two guys and another two guys they have their own brands and then they edit together their own show with their own storylines on fire pro wrestling and uh, Dave Meltzer is a character on there and uh, (laughs) he's he's the manager for uh, uh, one of the fire pro characters uh, the Hollywood hunk Jack Howard. Anyway, 
Um, <laughs> we have we have we have promos that they do, but because me and another guy DJ are very good at doing our impressions, I always end up doing the Dave Meltzer. Um, well, uh, you know, I'd have to uh, I'd have to give this match like uh, three and a half stars. I mean, uh, you know, it it was quite good. It would have been better though if like Kenny Omega was in the match or like like the Young Bucks or something like that, or if it was in like Japan, it would definitely be more stars. Um, so that's that's kind of where I I feel like I get my angst of Dave Meltzer out by taking the piss out of him every week. So oh, dude, like fuck, Uncle Dave. It's a. Have you seen his room? Yeah, dude. <laughs> what like, the uh, fuck, Dave Meltzer. Like, uh, he's not even credible at this stage anymore, bro. And and the fact that he comes out and some of the things that he says, like I sit there and just go like, fuck, man. Like you are without a doubt the biggest fucking crackhead i have ever fucking seen like <laughs> like but dude like he's even said stuff about like talking about oh look at this performer's body and like dude you're talking about a 25 to 30 year old woman and you're like 60 years old and you're talking about oh my bro, god like, that stuff fucking does my head and just shut up bro but he even needs then, to bro, like guys sometimes. at our age like certain things man i talk about wrestling bro like i'm not going to sit there and talk about how their bodies look and they're like, dude, that's irrelative of what we're talking about. You know, like, still performers, like, you know. God, some of the stuff he said about Sable back in the day is just horrible. <laughs> but, bro, like, he would be the sort of person if someone said shit about him, he'd be the first one, oh, about, you know, block him on Twitter like a bitch. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we won't get on too much of a Dave Meltzer rant. Uh, we're getting right to the end here, bro. I want you to plug everything, everyone out there, where they can find you. What's going on with MWA Podcast Network? Sure. Well, um, you can find me on Twitter at Piers Austin. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Piers Austin One. Facebook Piers Austin. Um, you can find MWA everywhere on all social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at MWA World, uh, Facebook at MWA World One, uh, Twitch at MWA World, uh, MWA Podcast Network on all your um, podcast platforms, YouTube. Um, yeah, man. And we've got a lot of shit coming up, man. It's, you know, we're currently got seven shows at the moment. Um, we've got my show, which is shooting the shit uncensored, uh, which is a similar show to Insider's Edge here with you, uh, where I talk with people involved in the world of pro wrestling. Um, you know, I it, it have a lot of Australian talent on as well uh, as people from all around the globe. Uh, we've also got Killing the Business, which is hosted by ECW original, the Kingpin, Angel Medina. Uh, and he's joined with that one with King Mega, uh, indie pro wrestling uh mainstay and legend and sexton who produces that show uh and we've also got uh get funked with alan kiwi funk um we've got nights of the gimmick table with dead presidents boogaloo and lowrider we've got the funk and kingpin show now which just uh launched with uh angel and alan funk uh and we have intern brad who helps out on that show uh, we got NXT Roundup with me and Sexton. We got uh, Wrestling with Sports with uh, Knights of the Gimmick Table. Uh, Knights of the Gimmick Table with the Dead Presidents and King Mega. And we also got Wrestling with Tragedy, man, which which does its stuff. You can find Wrestling with Tragedy everywhere. And, and you know, we're sort of starting to tap into things that aren't just pro wrestling related with tragedies. We're going into like pop culture and true crime and stuff like that so you know definitely go and check out wrestling with tragedy and mwa world so 
we got a lot going on. Man, that's a lot I just plugged, bro. So I'm sorry I took up <laughs> half the podcast. Just <laughs> that's totally fine, bro. Totally fine. Uh, now, Piers, we're at the segment that we always end the show at. It's called Five Second Frenzy. You have five yeah. seconds to answer each question. Even if you break the five seconds, <clears throat> it's okay. You won't get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> first question Who is your favorite wrestler? Too long of a list. <laughs> <laughs> It depends on the day, bro. It depends on the day. Depends on the date. Fair enough. Uh, if you, uh, this might be another difficult one. If you could pick one match as your favorite match that you've ever seen in professional wrestling, what would you go with? Ooh. WrestleMania 17, Austin versus Rock. Excellent, excellent. Getting away from wrestling now, favorite book? Ooh, favorite book. Fuck, man. Uh, the Power of One. Excellent. Favorite TV show? Sopranos. Oh, great choice. Great choice. Yeah. Uh, favorite film? Uh, the Godfather. Excellent. I see I'm kind of a there. mafia. Yeah, I'm a mafia. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, favorite musical artist? Ooh, that's like favorite wrestler, man. But uh, if I have to put it down, Pink Floyd. Nice. Very good. That's hard, my dad's man. That's a hard wrestling. That's a hard wrestling. <laughs> Your dad's favorite. Now I feel old as fuck. Too. <laughs> Pink Floyd are great, bro. Um, okay. Getting away from the arts now. There's only five more. Favorite food? Middle Eastern. Nice. Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Favorite place to eat on the road? You know what? Yeah, I do. 7 Eleven sandwiches. I'm I'm a fiend for that shit, bro. Like seriously, man, I'll choose that over McDonald's or, or any takeaway sort of stuff. Is like, yeah, I'll go get a sandwich from 7 Eleven because they're good and they're somewhat healthy. Healthy. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh third last one, favorite alcoholic beverage. Uh at the moment, white claw. Very don't hold nice. that again. Don't hold no, that against me. But yeah, like definitely I, won't, bro. I love seltzers, man. It's yeah, uh I'm becoming yeah. a salt. I tried to I'm off beer to try and get healthy. Like not to try and get healthy, but try and not put on too much weight during lockdown. So seltzers are my go-to at the moment. <laughs> Excellent, bro. Uh, second last one, the naughtiest one of five second frenzy. Favorite female body part? Ooh. I don't want to sound like a creep here, dude. But uh, oh, we've <laughs> we've had some varying answers on the show. It can, yeah, that sometimes it can be a, a nice one. Yeah, I'd probably say eyes. Like we get eyes. eyes. Yeah, a woman's eyes, man. That that gets me. Eyes and a smile. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, and the last one, favorite curse word. Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Brilliant, bro. Well, well, Piers, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Insider's Edge podcast. Uh, you know, we're both hustling we're both grinding we're both doing our thing so i thought that this would be a fun conversation to have and it was so again my friend i just want to thank you for your time and i appreciate what you're doing over there on the east coast you're killing it man 
Thank you, man. Same to you. Thank you for having me on, bro. You're you're kicking ass doing your thing over over there in WA, man. And you know, in a world where there's a lot of people doing this and not too many people that are, can do it at a, at a certain level of professionalism, it's good to see you out there grinding, man. You're doing great work. Um, keep at it, man. You know, there's always that light at the end of the tunnel for both of us, dude. So just keep grinding, bro. Keep doing your thing, man. Keep putting out amazing shows, man. And and I'm gonna have to get you on shooting the shit sometime down the road too bro sounds great bro it'll be so fun to be interviewed for once <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah man this is fun dude <laughs> excellent bro well, thank you again man no problem and uh thank you everyone out there for watching the insiders edge podcast here on the wcwa network i'm your host with the most on the west coast here with the host with the most on the east coast and we will see you next time thank you